Well, hey, friends, happy December, Merry Almost Christmas, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can slow down, even just for a little bit, from the hustle, the bustle, the chaos, and we can dare to remember what we truly believe is one of the most important things, that God is at work in our mess. Because yes, right now houses are covered with lights, Christmas cookies are probably being made, ugly sweater competitions are likely going down at this very moment. But the reason we celebrate is because God has not abandoned us to ourselves, to our sin, or even to some illusion of self-made success. No, He has given us His Son, our Savior, who loves us so much that at just the right time, between the Old and New Testaments, when the world was becoming increasingly dark, kind of like now, He put on skin and came to us. He grew up and did all kinds of miracles that only God could do. And then He gave up His life and took it back again so that we, when this temporary world fades away, we can spend forever with Him. And even right now in this moment, He can be with us. Y'all, this is the good news. And it's why we take time out of our schedules to share these stories of hope, little glimpses of heaven on earth that point us right back to our Savior. So if we haven't had the chance to meet in real life, My name is Jen Jewell, and I have the honor of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which releases a fresh perspective, a new episode, on the first Tuesday of each month. And back with me today as my co-host is my sweet and spicy sister, the queen herself, the LaTanya Pratt. And if you don't already know, The Messy Table is partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, where we are also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app. God's Word literally in our back pockets, in various translations in all kinds of languages, for free. But the best thing about God's global church is that we are on the same team, we have the same mission, and even today in this room, we are representing three different churches in my city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Life Church, Guts Church, and Church on the Move, because we truly believe that we can do infinitely more together than apart. And let me just give you a heads up that today's powerful episode could totally be turned into a movie. In fact, personal opinion, I think it would put the notebook to shame. And I am pumped for you to meet our guest. Heather Miller is a wise and gorgeous woman of God who's also a wife and mom of three who's passionate about helping marriages thrive. But if you just met her in line at a coffee shop or saw her at the grocery store, you would have no idea what she's been through that she actually lost her first love, that she's walked through some deep grief, that she thought her dream of being a wife and a mom were devastated. But even the darkest nights can be inundated with light. Guys, this story is tragic and redemptive and absolutely filled with hope. So grab your coffee, maybe a Kleenex, and join LaTanya and myself for a chat with Heather. All right, girls. Well, welcome to the messy table. Yay! Come on. LaTanya, you are back by popular demand. I literally have had people ask me, like, where's LaTanya been? Why hasn't she been co-hosting lately? And I I'm like, well, love, I love having a hype girl. You know what I mean? You are the I queen and running the actual world. <laughs> Whatever. You can't really just pencil people in, you know, She's because so you're dramatic. busy. So glad to have you back, Heather. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. So I... I'm so honored that I get to hang out with you as always. But what I love most is when I get to introduce cool people that I meet to you as well. I love that too. I think it's funny because 
women, whenever we become like moms or we have a different change in our life, we're always like, where do you meet friends? Like, where do you meet community? And it's literally just showing up doing life. I met Heather last basketball season. Our kids go to the same school (laughs) and we were sitting on the floor of a gym and we just started talking. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm not going to just start talking to you about like, oh my goodness, I just love the weather. (laughs) I am like, so tell me your childhood trauma. Let's just go deep. (laughs) Let's just get, I'm like this close to your face. So tell me about your life. (laughs) Who hurt you? Why do you think that way? Like I go deep because I'll get them. Yeah. I'm coming after them. I'm coming after them (laughs) with a brick in their windshield. That's college. I've grown. But anyhow. I mean, you have grown, but I will say like, I know that you're always going to have my back. I always have your back. Always, girl. I'm quick to throw a brick. Don't you worry. In the name of Jesus, prayers, bricks of prayers. Um, but Jesus turned over tables. Jesus turned tables. I actually used that on my kids the other day. Do you know he made a whip? Uh, yes. I've always read the story of him turning over the table, but he also, it says he made a whip Look and at me. chased him out of the church. That's what I do to the kids. I'd be making a whip. <laughs> I'd be chasing them out of my kitchen. Look at me just being like Jesus daily. <laughs> I knew I was becoming more like him. Um, But I am going to introduce you all to Heather Miller. Heather, tell the Messy Table listeners who you are. Well, thank you so much for having me. Really is an honor to be here. Like Latanya said, we met on a basketball court last year. We weren't playing basketball. Our kids were playing basketball. We were sitting watching. But I just got a visual of you guys playing basketball. I thought about that, like me defending her, all this. Oh, you told... I I feel like there was a practice that you hopped out there after practice. (laughs) And I was impressed. I'm competitive. Very impressed. Next time. (laughs) For all the Messy Table listeners. But um, there is a video of you running the football field with the cowbell after like a crazy woman. Or was it the track? No, it was cowbell and it was... It's a <sighs> Not my best day, but it was fun. There's no one like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, we met sitting at our boys basketball practice and started sharing our stories with each other. And by the end of it, I think we both had shed tears multiple times. Yes. <laughs> and here we are. So I grew up in St. Louis and moved to Tulsa with my husband about seven years ago. Um, we have three kids, two boys, Jericho and Israel, who are 10 and 8, and a daughter, Noah Grace, who just turned 5. The coolest names. Thank you. Obviously, we, you know, went the whole biblical route. <laughs> um, I love Noah Grace for a girl. That's fun. Yes. She's she's, she's a spunky little thing. She can hold her own with her two older brothers. <laughs> um, so we've been in Tulsa since. And, I mean, the story of getting here was kind of crazy. Literally, we came to visit. And the Lord told us this is where we were supposed to be planted. And so we put our house on the market. It sold in 24 hours. We were here within the month and we've been here ever since and never looked back and absolutely loved it. So served on staff at Guts Church for a lot of years and we're still there, very active in ministry there. Absolutely love it. Love Pastors Bill and Sandy and everything that they poured into Mm -hmm. our life. We're forever grateful for that. Um, So yes. Now, can I, Latanya likes to call you Miss America. Can we talk say. about no. like, I was going to say, can I share a fun fact? So I don't know what it is. I literally take information and I think I hear what I want to hear. Mm. And then I believe myself. It's that positivity. It must gift. be. I believe it to my core. <laughs> and then I take it an extra step and I start sharing yeah. my belief. So 
no lie. First time I saw Heather, I was just like, she is always put together. Whether she is wearing this cute outfit that she has on, or she could be in leggings. And she also has great posture. And so she walks in and I'm like, she is stunning. And all I think of, because I clearly, like, not only am I a boy mom, I used to be very much a tomboy. I do wear a lot of heels, but I just like, the only program I knew of was Miss America program. (laughs) So she's like, I don't even know how I found out. I believe her husband told me, which P.S., her husband, Dustin, the Pratt boys think he is the swaggiest dad mm. that's ever <laughs> walked the earth. We counted all of his tennis the shoes swaggiest. one day. But he he, don't, don't tell him that. He, we, <laughs> like, we, she put something on Instagram and we like took a picture and the boys wanted to count his tennis shoes. But he told us about her being Miss something. So I just stopped listening mm-hmm. on Miss America and added in what I thought went there and what made sense. It Miss America. Sense. So when I introduced, like, I was like, oh my gosh, I just met the sweetest girl and she used to be Miss America. So I started telling this to Amanda. Stevie heard me telling her mom this. Other random people heard it. And then I realized she had to go back in. And then people are highly let down when they find out that actually is not the truth. And the funny thing is she tells the truth. Like I would have gone with it. Like, oh yes, Miss America. You know. Such a hard life back then. I have just gone with it. Just don't Google me. I'm I'm humble. No need to Google me. Okay, would you like to set the record straight? Um, sure. I never miss America. Uh, Allegedly never miss America. No. Back in my prime, um, I did do some pageants and loved it. It was a really fun season of my life. And you um, were Miss something. Missouri. Miss Missouri. Not, not the same as now, Miss America. As Miss Missouri, Close. do you go to the Miss America pageant? So it was for the like the younger division. Yeah. And so I did go to nationals in California and place top 10. But okay. Did not. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Top 10. Well, thanks. <laughs> do you remember how I used to say, like, if I were to ever be in a pageant and I had to do a talent, like, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. And I was like, I guess I just put a like pair of blocks on the stage and just cut out the blocks <laughs> and start. I mean, well, that's true. That's, I, that's, I think you should be able to do that. I, yeah. I can I, run But fast. I would do it to music. Yes. Beyonce. Okay. That's totally different. Track star to Beyonce. I mean, they would just hand you the crown at that point. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Just take off the one she's already wearing. (laughs) Okay. Do you have a rebuttal to the you're always put together? Oh, no. She has no. She's always put together. I am not always put together. I did grow up with a mother who did not leave the house without putting her face on. Mm -hmm. So at minimum, I will slap some mascara on, but and perfect hair. Not above throwing on a cap and some sweats. Well, and, and she looks cute in it, though. That's of the thing. Latanya is everyone's ultimate hype man. You Agreed. cannot believe everything that she <laughs> says Agreed. because your cup is not half full. Your cup is overflowing. <laughs> not true. I'm telling you. I think it's pretty true. I'll but I do. I do love you. Well, the thing with us blondes that can be a struggle, which Latanya, you already have these like gorgeous like lashes and all of that we at least Mm -hmm. me I don't know about you but when I'm not wearing mascara my lashes are blonde and then people say are you feeling okay are you tired and I'm like thank you I'm just not wearing makeup that's the best question to ask a person I I love it when people (laughs) ask me if I'm tired and if I feel okay it's like my favorite question I can tell yeah yeah like are you tired oh yeah thank you for telling me I look tired (laughs) I love it (laughs) 
Okay, Heather, we could just chit chat all day, yes. but we're here for a specific reason. And that yes. is to hear more of your story, which happens to be really heartbreaking and also really redemptive and powerful. Yes, so absolutely. if you are willing to go back and just let us in on some of that, that would be amazing. Sure. Okay. There's a ton there. Um, right. Lots so, of layers. Lots of layers. Um, so as I said, I grew up in small town, Missouri, dated my high school sweetheart, and we were as opposite as they could come. Like you hear that, you know, the stories or the characters in novels who are the unlikely couple. Mm -hmm. That was this. I was the goody two shoes class president, you know, all the things. And he was the bad boy class <laughs> clown. I mean, we could not have been more opposite. Oh and my gosh. Uh, when we started dating, everyone was like, what in the world? <laughs> what did your mom think with her? Had to put my face on before I left the house. I mean... She loved him. He was, oh. I mean, just such a lovable, likable guy. Everyone yeah. loved him. He was the life of the party. And so, I mean, we just hit the ground running in our relationship. He was a grade above me. So he graduated the year before I did and joined the Marine Corps. So he left. We did the whole long distance thing. We wrote letters back and forth through boot camp, like all of that. I was still in high school, finishing my senior year. And then spring break of my senior year, I went to visit him out in California and he proposed. So <laughs> I did you see it coming? I did see it coming. Yeah. We, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was such a baby, but mm. you think you've got it all figured out, right? Yeah. I'm 18, like I can conquer the world. I know everything I need to know. I am and you're ready. In love. And you're in love. Yes. So uh, came back to my senior year with a ring on my finger, which was kind of crazy in itself. But his parents married really young, also right out of school. And so they were very supportive. My parents loved him. And so I graduated high school in July or in May. And in July, we got married and um, I moved to California and oh joined goodness. the military life over there. Missouri to California. Yes. Mm -hmm. No change at all. Nothing military wise. No change at all. Um, <laughs> Except you're by the ocean now, which is way better. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you I do, I do miss water. it. Well, it's, I know that base that he was probably at. Camp Pendleton. Yes. It, oh, my I gosh. Love that area. It's beautiful. We mm -hmm. just went back this spring to visit. And um, yeah, it's beautiful. So met some incredible people out there, found an amazing home church out there. Um, I started college. We did the military thing for a few years. He deployed, came back from a deployment and was coming up to the end of his four-year contract. Wanted to continue in the military, but he had gone in straight out of high school. So he was active duty. He wanted to switch over to the officer side. And so he needed to get his degree before he did that. So we decided, let's pursue that. You know, I'm headed toward, you know, the end of my degree. You jump in, use the GI Bill, get yours, and then we'll come back in, you know, mm -hmm. on the officer side. And so we kind of went back and forth with, do we stay and do that here in California? Do we go back home and do school there? And ultimately landed on going back to St. Louis. So moved back and, you know, just kind of got planted there back in our home church reconnected with, you know, friends and all of that. And we'd been back for just a few months and, um, he, you know, he was a Marine. So he had his concealed carry license, always carried a weapon on him. And, um, one afternoon 
came home and he went to unload everything that he carried on him and he fumbled the gun and it was an old gun. It was an old revolver that didn't have a safety on it. And apparently he carried with one in the chamber, which I didn't know of at the time. And, um, when he fumbled the gun, he went to grab it and the gun uh, misfired and the bullet hit him in the chest. So I immediately ran to him, did CPR, called 911, all the things, the ambulance came. He had gone unconscious, but he came back to consciousness. And the the first thing he said, I remember him laying in the living room and, you know, they were working on him and he kind of came to consciousness. Then he said, where's my wife? And they had me kind of pulled back, getting information and all of that. And, you know, I, I ran up and I said, I'm right here. I'm right here. And he said, can you please get her out of here? I don't want her to see me like this. And that was just such a testament to who he was, that in his pain, he was thinking about me and not wanting me to be, you know, scarred by what I had just seen. Mm -hmm. So um, I was able to talk with him again. You know, they put him onto the ambulance and they said, we're going to go ahead and call the helicopter in. It looks like one of his lungs has been hit and, you know, deflated. We'll probably go straight into surgery to remove the bullet. Um, and so I got to have one conversation with him before and told him I loved him, you know, gave him a hard time because he was always doing crazy. I mean, the ultimate daredevil, like loved a good dare, loved to do the wild live on the edge kind of things. And so it was just like, oh gosh, like, come on, you know, kind of not surprising that he had gotten himself into, you know, a crazy situation. And so mm-hmm. he left. Um, I tried to leave to go to the hospital and they wouldn't let me because we were the only ones there. And they said I had to wait for a detective to come dust oh. my hands to make sure I didn't have gunpowder on me that I hadn't caused the accident, which when you're in the midst of such a traumatic experience is really difficult to even wrap your head around. I just mm-hmm. wanted to go be with my husband, mm-hmm. you know, so had to wait for that. They came, dusted my hands. Obviously there was no gunpowder. And so they let me go to the hospital. One of my favorite things about small towns is how quickly they rally. Mm-hmm. And by the time I made it to the hospital, I feel like half the town was in the waiting room waiting for, you know, the good report. And, um, I mean, the, the community that we had in that season was just remarkable. And so we were waiting and, you know, they said he was in surgery. And at one point the doctor came out and asked to speak to me privately. And the first thing he said to me was, I'm so sorry, there's no hope. And I remember looking at him so puzzled and looking around the waiting room for another family because I thought, surely he's talking to the wrong person. Like Mm -hmm. I talked to the paramedics in the helicopter and they said, he's laughing and joking with us. He's doing great, you know. And, um, I said, I think you have the wrong person because Mm -hmm. my husband just went into surgery to get a bullet removed from his lung. Like they just said he was fine. And he said, I understand that. Um, I was the doctor in the surgery. And what we didn't realize was the type of bullet in his gun was a hollow point bullet. And so upon impact, it shattered and it hit seven of his internal organs and we are not able to stop the bleeding. At that point, I, I I was just in complete shock, Mm. um, came out, our, our parents were there, our family was there and I still didn't believe it. 
And I still went to the Lord and said, Lord, this can't be happening. Like, he's got to pull through. Mm -hmm. He's got to make it. And I remember them bringing me back into the room and his parents got to come in and, and spend some time with him. He wasn't conscious at that point. And I remember just sitting in the corner, looking at the situation, almost feeling like it was an out-of-body experience mm -hmm. and watching his parents with him. And after that, I asked for some moments alone and I went up and grabbed his hands and I can't even really explain it, but at that moment, I just knew that he was about to experience eternity. And I told him that I loved him. And I told him not to worry about me, that I was going to be fine, that the Lord had me in his hand. And in that moment, he took his last breath and he met Jesus face to face. And um, at 21 years old, I became a widow, and my world was flipped completely upside down. I can't even mm -mm. imagine. Mm -mm. But I think what I'm most amazed by is the woman you are today is literally the same woman you were at 21, like that faith. That you said, even with the bad report, I'm still praying for God to show up. Like, how did you have that faith at 21? I mean, I think just growing up with parents who were there for me through, you know, all of it, then moving away and being planted in a church that was so full of faith and going through deployments and all the things. And I think in that moment... <laughs> I mean, there's no other explanation than the Holy Spirit, right? You know, he fills in the cracks. And in my own thinking, even thinking about the trauma of the accident that happened, like I was so calm and collected and by no means should have felt that way. But the Lord, even in that, in his goodness was there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the word talks about peace that passes understanding and this is that peace that passes understanding. I didn't even understand why I felt at peace. I didn't even understand that with a bad report from the doctor, I still felt peaceful and clung to that. You know, like we believe and we stand on the report of the Lord, no matter what the doctors say, no matter what anyone says, like mm -hmm. I believe the report of the Lord and I believe that he is good and he works all things together for our good. And so yeah, I'm fighting tooth and nail. And I still believe that even though he didn't survive, like mm -hmm. the Lord didn't cause that to happen. The Lord didn't want me to become a 21 year old widow, but we live in a fallen and broken world. And the enemy is, he's on the prowl mm -hmm. seeking whom he may devour. And the word says that what the enemy means for bad, God works together for my good. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know that there's an explanation other than the Holy Spirit, the Lord was so real in my life that he, you know, he couldn't help but hold my arms up. That's who he mm -hmm. is. That's what he does. He's the great comforter. He's our defender. He fights battles on our behalf, mm -hmm. you Even know, and when things don't go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So obviously you were numb, you were in shock, Yes. but you were still full of faith. Mm -hmm. What did those next days and weeks look like? 
Wow. Um, the first few days, I mean, anyone who's experienced trauma and loss can attest to that in the beginning. It's just a blur. I mean, shock very much is that it is shock and it feels like survival sometimes, you know, it's an hour by hour, minute by minute dependence on the Lord. There were days that, you know, I just constantly felt like I was going to the Lord, like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle this situation. I I don't know how I'm going to be able to get through this hour. I don't know how I'm going to be able to sleep at night, you know, all of those. And, Mm -hmm. And when you go through something like that, your relationship with the Lord can't help but change in such a drastic way. Like mm-hmm. I had never had to depend on the Lord in, in that way. Of course, I'd been through difficult things and experienced deployment and loss of friends and things like that. But when you lose your spouse yeah. who you're in covenant with, mm-hmm. you know, the Lord had ordained mm-hmm. our marriage and we had navigated so many things together. Our marriage was far from perfect, but it was great. And the mm-hmm. Lord had done some incredible things in us. And so to lose that my dependence on the Lord greatly changed. And I think I had an understanding um, that I didn't have before about finding my identity in the Lord for who I was as a daughter of the King, because it's easy for our, our identity to be wrapped up in being a wife or being a mom or being a boss lady or, you know, whatever it is. But when those things are taken who are you? Who are you at your core? Mm-hmm. Are you a daughter of the king? You know, am I Heather? Am I a daughter of the king? Or is my identity so caught up in my position mm-hmm. that I have nothing left? And of course, a huge piece of me felt like it was ripped out, but I just continuously found myself seeking the Lord to get through even the smallest of moments. And, you know, I, I lived with my mom and dad for a season and they helped me navigate. <laughs> I mean, I can't even explain how they were there for me. And I don't know what that season would have looked like had I not had Mm -hmm. them there for me. And I had friends around who were rallying, you know, military friends from California who came for the services and would check in on me constantly. And I remember, you know, a couple in particular, and they would text me every single day. And Mm -hmm. I probably didn't respond for weeks because I felt like I couldn't even get there. And my biggest piece of advice to anyone going through grief or having a friend or family member who's experienced a loss is to continue showing up for that person. Because even if it feels like it's unwanted, it's not unwanted. It just might not be the right time. But I can tell you when I was ready to talk, I knew who was there for me. Mm -hmm. It was those people who continuously checked in, continuously sent me scripture, continuously spoke life over me. Even when I didn't feel like I was necessarily in the headspace to receive it, there will come a day that that person will be ready. And to know that you are there and you have been there the whole time, that's the greatest gift you could give anyone going through loss. So good. I think that's the best feedback to the community that loves you through grief Mm -hmm. because leading up to a funeral service, everyone is bombarding you with like, I'm bringing you food. How can I Mm -hmm. help? How can I be there? How can I hold you up? And then as soon as that ceremony happens, They've gotten their closure Mm -hmm. and you're just now 
entering into your new normal. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's when you can begin to grieve. So that's really good feedback for anyone that's in a community supporting someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that that's not where the story ends, but what transitioned in your life to help you begin to see God's hand in that part where you talk about like, I still have hope. Mm -hmm. What transitioned to you seeing that hope and actually experiencing that hope that Mm -hmm. you believe in? Yeah. In the beginning, it's it's hard to cling to that. It'll, it almost feels a little ethereal at first. It's like, you know, I, I knew what the word said. Right. But to actually believe that and to feel like that is reality is a different step. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's so much power in our words, right? The Bible talks about that a ton. And so speaking those things, you know, that are not as though they are. And so I remember speaking out loud and praying to the Lord and thanking him for redemption in my life and thanking him for things that felt so far from my reality and felt impossible, but thanking him for them anyway. Um, And I remember there was a missionary who came to our church. And this was a really pivotal point for me because you know, it's like at first I was just dealing with the loss of a husband and my whole life growing Mm -hmm. up, it's like, Lord, I don't know what you have for me in my future, but I know like, I want to be a wife and a mom Mm -hmm. more than anything. I want to be a wife and a mom. And so when that was taken from me, not only did I feel like I had lost my opportunity to be a wife, I found myself grieving the loss of potentially being a mom because I couldn't see past that. I couldn't Mm -hmm. ever see myself getting past the hurt. And I remember telling people, I'm going to be the crazy cat lady with a million cats because (laughs) I'm not doing this again. I'm not, I'm not putting my heart out there. You know, Mm -hmm. the enemy is really good at making us feel isolated and motivating us with fear. And we know the Holy Spirit doesn't motivate with fear. He motivates with peace. And so anything contrary to peace is a tactic of the enemy. And he tried to motivate me with fear. And it's like, is is it worth it? Is it worth it to even put myself out there again? And I remember this missionary coming to church. And after he, um, he pulled me aside and asked to talk to me. And uh, my first husband's parents were there as well. My parents were there. What was your first husband's name? Nathan. Nathan. Okay. Yes. And, and, and before you move on to the story, yes. how long were y'all together? Obviously um, high school and then married. Yes. So all together, we were together for five years. Okay. We were married for three. Okay. Okay. Continue. Um, so this missionary pulled us aside and he started praying over me and prophesying over me. And he told me, you will remarry and you will have a son. And... I remember just being so, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it felt right. It felt peaceful, but also so um, just perplexed at the thought of that because I couldn't even see myself there. And I had a conversation mm-hmm. with Nathan's mom afterward. And and I remember saying, I just, I can't even picture myself there because I can't picture ever loving someone the way that I love. Nathan. Mm -hmm. And she said something, and this was the Holy Spirit speaking through her that I cling to, to this day. She said, you know, 
I think it's like when you have kids, you have a baby and you love them so much. And then you get pregnant with another one and you're like, oh, how am I ever going to love this baby as much as I love my first baby? And then you have the second one. And it's not that you're pulling love from your first baby to give your second baby. Mm -hmm. Somehow this miracle happens in your heart and your love is multiplied. Mm, It's great. And now looking back on it, I can't think of a better description of what the Lord does in our hearts when we experience loss. And then when he brings us to that next season of redemption, it's like my love for Nathan isn't any discounted now. It's not any less. My love is multiplied. Mm. And that in itself is a miracle. So after that meeting, um, I kind of started praying that out and shifting my thoughts to what if this is a reality? Like, what if he is right? And I am supposed to experience love again. And I am supposed to have the chance to be a mother. And then started clinging to the promise that the Lord gives us the desires of our heart. And that has always been a desire of my heart. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't he give that to me? Mm -hmm. And I remember one time praying and writing out you know, I'm, I'm a, a type of Enneagram one type A <laughs> personality. Like, I mean, detailed to the max. Are you the and oldest? I'm the baby oh, actually. Okay. Um, but I start writing out this list. I'm like, all right, Lord, if this is what you have for me, I need all of these things checked. And I, <laughs> I write this list of 25 things that I needed in someone. If he was going to bring me someone else to spend the rest of my life with and had scripture to back up all 25 of them. Well, yeah, obviously starting with, you know, someone who loves the Lord and, you know, wants to serve him the rest of their life. Number two, someone who loves Nathan and respects the place that he will always have in my life. Mm. And then all the way down through, you know, this whole list of things. Um, so I think for me, that moment was a huge shift Um, And that kind of took me on this course of changing my thought processes to not just accepting what my reality was in that moment, but clinging to that hope of what could be what the Lord could have for me for the rest of my life. Mm. How special that message could have come from anyone. Like your mom could have said that. Mm-hmm. A best friend could have said it. But to come from Nathan's mom. Yes. Mm. Like that is a God wink. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Like Latanya said, we know that there is more to the story. So what happened next? First of all, did you find anybody that hit 25 on the list? Right, dang. <laughs> I mean, like 25. <laughs> Tw- 25 is a lot. That's what I'm saying. Like, do I have 25 for me? Like, did Kinnabon have a list and back at 10, you know? <laughs> Tw- Sassy mouth. I mean, go big or go home, right? Yes. You know? I appreciate um, that. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So as I mentioned before, I lived with my parents for about six months. And that season was so special to me. And... um Came up to about the six-month mark and felt like I was ready to to be on my own again. So in that six months, um, there was a girl who had reached out to me uh, named Ashley. And I didn't know her, knew of her because it was a small town. 
everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, I knew her brother, um, knew of her parents. They'd gone to the same church. Her dad actually was a former mar- former Marine. And so when Nathan had wanted to join the Marine Corps, he had talked with him a lot about the Marine Corps and all of that. And he had a really special relationship with her dad. So she had reached out to me and, um, we just really hit it off and became really great friends. So when I was ready to move out of my parents' house, her and I moved in together. Mm. And I had never had that before. Yeah, I got married at 18, yeah. went from high school to wifing and right. never and had that season. Yes. <laughs> right. So we became roommates and uh, had a lot of fun together. And through that, our moms met, which is funny because her brother had worked for my mom. My mom ran like um, a golf club. And in our little small town, if you didn't want to work at, you know, McDonald's or Jack in the Box, we didn't even, we had a Sonic for like a year and it shut down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The golf club was where you went. So her brother worked for my mom and I worked there also knew of him, you know, again, didn't know each other super well, but I remember my mom always talking about him and just loving him. So our moms finally got to meet, which was a really fun connection. And her brother was actually in Tulsa at the time. He went to Rama and then he had he went to Guts and did the internship program at Guts. So he would come back for holidays and stuff, long weekends. And her and I had gotten so close that like we would go to each other's holidays, you know, and I was over there for New Year's and, you know, Christmas and all that. And he would come home and he's like, what are you doing here? You know, he was actually a friend of Nathan's and at the funeral held one of the flags. They kind of grew up together, did Taekwondo together, spent a lot of their childhood, you know, together, went to the same church and everything. And he would come back and, and he's like, what are you doing at my family's event? And, you know, I would tease like, well, I've, replaced you. Like you moved away. (laughs) I've taken your spot in your family. So really just hit it off with his family. And they did this event to kind of, it was like a trivia night thing, raising money for some ministry stuff that he was doing back here in Tulsa. And I went and I remember they played a video of him uh, just kind of explaining what he was doing. And I remember being so intrigued because I knew I wanted to do ministry. You know, I was in my last couple of years of business school, but I knew that like the Lord had a call on my life to do ministry, but really had no idea what that kind of even looked like or how to prepare for that. And so we kind of started talking, you know, just about what I was like, tell me more about this. What does ministry look like? We kind of joke because I called him one time and he's like, I mean, totally just like, cold shouldered me and was like, I'm doing this. Like, I'll call you later. And I was just like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, and so we just like, lightly kind of started talking about ministry stuff. And like I said, he'd come back to visit, you know, my best friend, roommate and her boyfriend and me and her brother, like we all just kind of became best friends and we would grab lunch after church and all of the things. And so one night, we were chatting. He was back in Tulsa and he said something. I couldn't even tell you exactly what it was, but he said something. And in an instant, the Lord reminded me of this list that I had made. And I was like, Mm. wait, what? Mm -hmm. I actually, I think we were talking about Nathan because 
like I said, he had grown up with him. And so he had all of these stories, which was really fun for me to hear because I wasn't a part of Nathan's life when he was a kid. So he would tell me stories about when he was a kid and they did this and got into this trouble and, you know, all the things. And then I stepped in, obviously, at the end of high school and and beyond. Mm -hmm. And so then I would share stories about that. So we're kind of like grieving this loss together in different ways. Me grieving the loss of a spouse, him grieving the loss of a best friend. And I was reminded of this list and I'm sure I got awkward as I'll get out because I'm like, why is, what is happening? Why am I being reminded of this list? So we get off the phone. I rummage through my journal and I find this list and I start reading through these 25 things. And when I say my jaw hit the floor, my jaw hit the floor. And I knew that that Dustin, Ashley's brother, my roommate's brother, Mm -hmm. was who the Lord had for me. And I stiff armed it. (laughs) (laughs) I was so like, there's no way, like, there's no way, you know, I'm not doing this. Remember, Lord, like, I wrote this out as just kind of a like far fetched kind of thing. Remember, I'm going to be a crazy cat lady. It's going to be great. The cats, the cats, remember the cats. (laughs) Um, And so it freaked me out. And I just like kind of retracted, you know, we had this great, a best friendship that had been formed. And I just kind of pulled back. And, you know, over the next few weeks, he could obviously tell I was being very short and awkward and all the things. And finally, one night we were talking and I was like, okay, I need to send you something. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? And I was like, I need to send you something. And you just need to know that I have not touched this for however many months. So here you go. And I email him this list. And he starts reading it. And I think he probably had the same reaction that I had. And here we are, friends, not dating, not looking for that at all. Was he at all a little interested? No. Okay. Because for him, you know, he's like, I, of course, as, you know, one of Nathan's friends, felt a protection over you, like you being widowed, but as a man knew it's not my place to step in. He's like, so I told my sister to be there for you because I didn't know how much support you had, you know, how many godly women were in your life. And so I told my sister, Hey, you need to reach out to Heather and be there. Like, I can't be there for her in this season, but like, I feel like a protection over her. And Mm -hmm. so you need to be there. So his sister, Ashley, reached out to me and we became best friends, roommates, the whole shebang. Um, So he was behind it all along. (laughs) He was behind it all along and he didn't even know it. And so we were, I mean, in shock for a season, obviously. I, I mean, how do you navigate that when it's like we're not even dating, but yet the Lord just told us we're going to spend our lives together? Yeah, so what do you say next? Or what did you say next? I'm on the edge of my seat. I don't remember this part. I mean, I can't even tell you. It was just like probably very (laughs) awkward. And like, I mean, what do you say after that? You know? Yeah. And so I think we kind of just got off the phone like, okay, Lord, do your thing, I guess. And so in the coming weeks, it was very like, he is, I mean, he is so respectful and has been such a gentleman through the entire process and has had my heart and my best interests in mind from day one. And he's like, okay, I, I like, I feel this too. Like, I feel 
peaceful about this. And this is crazy, like as crazy as it sounds, but I will never try and rush you or push you, you know, faster than you need to go. We will take this as slow as you need to. And so for the coming months, we continued to talk and get to know each other. It was a long distance. I was still in St. Louis and he was still here. And so we did that for months. And I remember one time struggling, you know, we had, we, we fell quick for each other and hard. Mm. And I remember carrying this guilt with me of here I am someone who has already been married, experienced everything that comes with marriage. Nathan and I, you know, we chose not to sleep together until we were married, like saved all of these things. And here I am bringing all of these experiences that I've already had to the table and you're coming with none of that, Mm -hmm. you know, like this feels like a lot to project onto you. Mm -hmm. And I remember one night just crying on the phone with him and carrying that guilt. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry that I have so much coming with me and this is so heavy and there is so much to navigate with me because this isn't an easy cut and dry relationship. Let's just have fun. Like there's so much more here. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying, so my, my maiden name was Heather Height. My married name was Heather Denny. And I remember him telling me, he said, Heather, I did not fall in love with Heather Height. I fell in love with Heather Denny. Mm. I fell in love with the woman that you became because of the years that you spent with Nathan. Mm. And for him to be comforting me and reassuring me in that, I mean, gosh, that what more what more could I have asked it's for amazing. in that? And so through the entire dating season, um, that was Dustin and who he was in my life. And he always supported me in honoring Nathan and remembering Nathan and, mm-hmm. um, has and just, your number one, love God. And your number two, be friends with Nathan. Yes. Yes. It's there. I mean, he, he loved Nathan before I loved Nathan, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because they had grown up together. And before we even officially started dating, because this thing was a little under wraps for a minute because we were trying to figure out like sure. what is even happening. Sure. Um, when, when we felt like we were ready to officially start dating, Dustin went to my dad and asked my dad for permission to date me. And then he went to Nathan's dad and asked Nathan's dad permission to date me. I mean, (laughs) this is a fairy tale. Your best friend becomes your sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dustin is just baby Jesus. I'm telling you. (laughs) You know? He is incredible. I mean, more than the 25 things like Mm. the Lord knew the desires of my heart plus, Mm -hmm. and he's a God of abundance. And he gave me abundance in bringing me Dustin. Like I, yeah, sometimes I I wish that we could have God's perspective, like zooming out and knowing that he knew the whole time before all of you were born when he positioned you guys in certain relationships and connections, like he already knew. He did. You know, and even though there were these horrible things that came into your life, Mm -hmm. like he was already there with people and with his redemption just right there in front of you. 
Yes. It's like that scripture, like, can't you see it? I've already begun, mm. you know? I'm creating river in a wasteland. Like, it's like, I know, I know, <laughs> but I don't see it. That thirsty God, show me down. I'm just still trying to take it all in because it's so much, it almost feels unbelievable. Yes. And I know, it, I know it's reality. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It is amazing. And, you know, he's faithful to complete the work he starts in us. Mm-hmm. And the Lord started this work in me before I even realized he started this work in me. And yeah. he is faithful to complete it. And so we dated and continue to fall more in love with each other. And we navigated a lot of hard things. And, you know, the grieving process is just that it's a process. And there's a lot of stages that you go through and some of them are easier than others. And some of them are really ugly. Mm -hmm. And Dustin was so patient and kind and just continuously showed me that unconditional love of the Lord. And so we dated for almost a year. Um, and he proposed and I'm, I'm telling you, when we fell hard and fast, it's like, okay, Lord, like, I mean, when the Lord tells you, Hey, here you go, this is who you're going to spend your life with. It's like, all right, what are we doing? Wasting time dating. Let's no kidding. Let's get on with it. You know? Yeah. Um, well, especially I feel like your starting place was already so progressed, right? right? Because it wasn't like you said, just lighthearted and fun. It was, there were a lot of serious elements. Yeah. So, so we got engaged. Um, we're engaged for six months, got married exactly six months later and six weeks later got pregnant with (laughs) our first baby, a baby boy, which is exactly what that missionary had prophesied over me that I would remarry and have a son. Um, and so, I mean, what a picture of God's redemption, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like what I grieved the loss of was the two things that I care the most about being a wife and a mother. Mm -hmm. And so quickly the Lord brought that into my life and redeemed exactly what the enemy tried to rob me of. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, Dustin and I have been married for 11 years and we have three beautiful kids and now we get to lead ministry. We have a young marrieds group that we lead and we help people navigate those early years of marriage and even the engaged season and those years that were so pivotal for us. You know, we feel like the Lord has just called us to help bring people through that. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it just feels so full circle. And I mean, just the most beautiful picture of God's redemption. Mm -hmm. And I'm just honored that you know, he's counted us worthy to, to walk it out. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I'm curious. You mentioned fear earlier. Mm -hmm. Did that sneak up on you ever as you were getting married? What if I lose Dustin too? What if I lose, you know, like we all have these fears. What if I Mm -hmm. lose my spouse? What if I lose my child? What if I lose someone else close to me, which I think everyone in this room has experienced Mm -hmm. some pretty significant loss. How did you deal with that? Yeah, fear, um, you know, obviously experiencing trauma, fear can so easily be there. Because you know it can happen. Sure. Does that make sense? Like when I've lost someone close to me and people just want to be like, oh, that Mm -hmm. won't happen. Well, Mm -hmm. it can. Mm -hmm. It can happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not just some figment of your imagination. Right. And I think that's exactly the place that the enemy wants us Mm -hmm. to sit in. You know, he's not creative in his schemes. It's always the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's whatever our weakness is, whatever our stronghold has been in our life. He's going to go after that thing over and over. 
because he knows that it was a stronghold once in our life. Why couldn't he get us to that place again? Mm. And so, yes, there was a season that fear absolutely was a stronghold in my life. And still there are times that he tries to creep in, even with my kids or my husband or whatever. And I mean, that is where the word tells us to take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. And so recognizing those thoughts, recognizing that it is from the enemy, that thought is not from the Lord, taking it captive and replacing it with what the Lord says. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not enough to just suppress these that like, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. Like we have to replace it with what the word promises us. And then we have to speak that out of our mouth Mm -hmm. because there is power in our words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so I speak life over my marriage. I speak life and health over my husband and my kids and protection over our home and Mm -hmm. peace over our home. And of course, there is times that my mind still wants to go crazy. Mm -hmm. But like I said earlier, I'm calling those things that are not as though they are. And I believe that the Lord is faithful. And so I'm sending my words out ahead of me and sending his word out ahead of me. And the Bible promises that when we do that, it will not return void. That's good. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the keys there is that you know that he is faithful and Mm -hmm. you've been in that position where the worst did happen. Right. And even if something terrible did happen again, you still know like he is faithful, even though he might not show up in the exact way that you'd want. It also can still be so amazing and beautiful Mm -hmm. and redemptive. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing your story, just like Jen said, it almost sounds impossible, but that's the Mm -hmm. kind of God that we serve. We serve a God that is, he specializes in what man would say is impossible. Mm -hmm. And even though we've shared your story in a short amount of time, it seems like you went from pain to just celebration and joy. What were the stages that you went through from pain to where you are today? Yeah. um, I mean, gosh, that season feels like the wilderness season that we read about in the Bible, right? It's like, it's hard to even see your way out of it sometimes. And grief looks different for everyone, whether you've lost a spouse or a friend or even sometimes the loss of a relationship in your life. Maybe that person hasn't moved into eternity, but maybe for whatever reason, there's a broken relationship there. Like mm-hmm. that in itself is still grief. Yeah. Um, and moving through those stages looks different for everyone, whether it's the shock or the anger or the questioning or the acceptance of the new reality. I think it's so important to continuously push ourselves through those stages. The enemy wants us to get stuck because Mm. if we're stuck, we are deceived and distracted. And that's what he wants for our life. Because if we're deceived and distracted, we can't carry out the call of God on our life. So good. And so being able to call it what it is, is so powerful to be able to say, I am grieving right now. When we put Mm. a label on something, I think there's a lot of power in that because if we're in this denial of like, I'm okay, I'm I'm just pushing through and, and just trying to put on this face to get through, where are we leaving room for the Holy Spirit to be the comforter mm. when that is who he is? But if we can come to him, he already knows our hearts. He already knows our thoughts. And so if we can accept that and call it what it is and say like, Lord, I am angry. I am angry right now. And ask him the hard questions. 
he wants to answer. He wants to be that comforter. And I think that that was such a key piece for me in moving through those processes is, is having those real raw conversations with the Lord. And there are some things that I still don't understand. Sure. I, I don't understand why, when I felt like I was so full of faith, why Nathan still died. Mm-hmm. But in that, I still believe that the Lord is good. I still believe that mm-hmm. he's going to take care of me. And so asking those hard questions and some of it, he's brought clarity to, and some of it, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. And I'm not going to understand it fully until I am in eternity, but thank God for eternity, the hope of eternity, the hope that one day I will see Nathan again face to face. And I think he's up there cheering me on and celebrating me and Mm -hmm. proud of this life that I've built and proud of me for letting the Lord restore what was broken. Because if we're being honest, our flesh, it's so much easier to live in our flesh, to Mm -hmm. live in the natural and what we see and, you know, the sorrow and the pain and we have to deal with those. We have to let ourselves feel the grief Mm -hmm. and weep. And I mean, Jesus felt all of those emotions Mm -hmm. and we have to let our, we have to give ourselves a room. It's not about putting on a good face and it doesn't mean that you're lacking faith if you're struggling or, or having a hard time getting through it. Like we deal with it. We sit in those emotions and then we let the Lord do what only he can do. We let him show up. We let him fill those empty spaces. And we force ourselves to continue to rely on him and to move through that grieving process because it's a lot easier to stay stagnant. But I'm telling you, that is not where you want to be because you can't live in the fullness of the Lord Mm -hmm. if you're stuck in bitterness or anger or turmoil or whatever it is. And so continuously seeking. Give this girl a stage. That hope. And between tears and laughter, I was like, I know. (laughs) Continuously seeking that hope and clinging to his promises and knowing that he is good Mm -hmm. and that he has our best interest in mind. Um, That's what gets us through. That's good. Man, I'm telling you, I can't wait to re-listen to this because there's so much goodness in here and to process. I've been reading through the New Testament right now. And, you know, it's funny how you can read something a billion times and then you read it again and Mm -hmm. you get something new out Mm -hmm. of it. And right now I just feel like I'm seeing so much of Jesus. I mean, we know that we should have an eternal perspective, but how much he has an eternal perspective on earth and kind of rebukes those who are trying to keep him from having an eternal perspective. And he talks about dead people like they're alive. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really, I mean, I know he does, but there's been so many times that I'm like, man, like he just, he talks about them like they're alive because to him they are. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful reality. Yes. You know, we don't mourn like those without hope. And yeah. I think your story and testimony is such proof of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right now we are heading towards Christmas. We're moving into the holidays mm-hmm. and there's so much joy and beauty that comes with that. And then there's a lot of hard things, especially for those. And I can think of so many women that listen to this podcast that, yeah have lost someone, lost a child, Mm -hmm. have just been walking through some really hard relational things. And so I would just love to know if there's any resources that have been helpful to you over the years or just anything that comes to mind that you're like, ooh, this could be helpful to them too. And I want to share. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, 
obviously, you know, our personal walk with the Lord, there's no replacement for that. Mm. Spending time in his word and letting his word renew our minds daily and spending time talking with him, praying in the spirit when you don't know what to pray, you know, like that is number one. That is it. And there is no replacement for that. Um, After that, finding community is Mm. so big. I mean, as I, you know, touched on before, the enemy wants us to be isolated, but being around people who can hold your arms up when you need your arms held up, who can give you a word in season and speak life over you when maybe you're feeling hopeless. And some days are harder than others. Some seasons are harder than others. Those first holidays are difficult. And so having people around you who know the rawness that you're walking in and will show up for you is so big. Being planted in a local church is massive. You know, being in in a small group or a supper club or whatever that looks like, having that tight-knit community who knows you um, is everything um, as far as, you know, resources. There are tons of great blogs out there of, you know, Christian women who've experienced loss and things like that. Um, one book that I I'm thinking of is called getting to the other side of grief. Um, that was really helpful for me as well. Just having people that you can have real honest conversations with and being able to process verbally is a really, really big deal. Agreed. So good. I love that you mentioned several times community, mm-hmm. because even though I feel like I have lots of community of sh- like lots of communities that I'm a part of full of strong women that are full of faith, God sent you to me when I was going through a time where I had just gotten a diagnosis for my baby crew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like I'm a strong woman, but Something with a child, I just lose it. Like I have, mm-hmm. I, I can't even focus. And I meet you and immediately I could feel the faith mm. falling off of you. <laughs> I asked Heather to pray for my son and to pray for me. And I'm going to tell you right now. She was disrespectful to the devil, honey. Like, (laughs) she came correct. Okay. I was like, oh my goodness, this girl, like, she can pray. And when you hear someone with faith, immediately you're just like, I want that faith. But I think of this scripture that says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It is your story that has given you that faith. Mm -hmm. And just like what Dustin said, I am so grateful for Nathan And I am so grateful for, is it Heather Denny? Because Heather Denny has made you Heather Miller and Heather Miller has turned you into a friend and a confidant and someone that's made me a better woman because I know you. So thank you for sharing your story. I am so grateful for you. And thank you, Jen, for creating space for women to find their healing because we defeat the enemy Mm -hmm. by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimonies. And your testimony and your testimony and all the women that get to sit in this seat, they're healing women every day. And I'm grateful for you both. Love you, girls. Amen. Love you. Okay, y'all. 
I'm still going to be praying that Heather's story is turned into a movie. But in the meantime, we're going to link some good stuff up in the conversation notes, including the resources mentioned and some past episodes that could be relevant as well. As always, you can subscribe in your podcast app for free. You can connect with us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And as you head back into December and move towards Christmas, don't forget that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess. Mm -hmm.